excited to have Lori Lewis on the Shine Podcast today. We're going to be chatting all about health. Lori is an intermittent fasting coach and author, and I have a lot more to say about her as I stalked all of her good stories, but I actually want her to tell it. So will you kind of start by telling your inspiring story today? And thank you so much for chatting today. Hi, Shauna. Yes. Thank you. Of yes. course. I, I was someone who um, in my late 20s developed an, a curiosity of nutrition and how to fuel my body well. It all started one day. I kind of felt foggy and a little out of it. I don't know. It was a long time. It was 30 years ago. But <laughs> I remember having the thought, I think this Diet Coke isn't good for me, mm. hmm. you know, and it's so that began my, really a per personalized inward look at what I consume and um, discovering foods that make me feel well and eliminating the things that don't. And fast forward 30 years, I started perimenopause and all of the the <laughs> things that we read about perimenopause, I, I checked all the boxes, mm. all the things that could possibly shift and be challenging, I experienced. And um, the thing was that um, everybody in my life, including myself, knew me as someone who was everybody always said, you're the healthiest eater we know. And I was <laughs> never the food police. I never, you know, chastised people. I just, it felt like a personal journey, but everybody kind of knew that I'm a super healthy eater. Mm -hmm. And so when I gained 50 pounds in menopause, <laughs> my period stopped and boom, my hormones were whacked out and out of balance and, and trying to sort themselves out. And my body responded by holding on to an awful lot of fat. Yes. And it was not only the weight gain that was upsetting and unfamiliar. It was also brain fog and my equilibrium was off and my memory was just, I just, I could be in a conversation with you and I couldn't remember if I had asked you a question or not. Mm -hmm. And I also felt really in actual pain head to toe, just constantly all my muscles, everything was aching. I was a hurting pup. Yeah. And I applied everything that I knew, all the, all my nutrition guidance and fitness tips and everything, and nothing worked. Mm -hmm. I just kept getting heavier and feeling worse and worse. And it was the spring of 2017, five years ago, and I felt like I was just at my lowest point. The only word I can think of is despondent. And mm -hmm. I'm an optimist. But I actually remember feeling like, oh, am I actually supposed to stop feeling hopeful? Am I actually supposed to, to succumb to the idea or the belief that we just get sicker and heavier and have to take more and more medication and it's just all downhill from here? <laughs> Women in menopause just stop taking care of themselves or let themselves go. And I was like, I'm not letting myself go. I'm actually taking, trying to take really good care of myself and what is going on here. And I was home in Colorado where I grew up visiting my mom for an extended stay. And she said, let's use this time that you're home to turn the weight around. Wow. 
I know. My, yes, she came from such a loving place, and my daughter ears did not hear it that like No, that. <laughs> that would be hard to hear. Yes. It was really hard to hear. And I turned into a wailing five-year-old throwing a temper tantrum saying, you don't understand, and I've tried everything. What do you What do you think? I'm, I've given up on myself, and no. And what do you think? I can just snap my fingers, and it's all going to get better? Ah! Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... She listened intently and she said, let's pray for an answer because I clearly didn't know what to do. It wasn't as easy as just, boo, turn it around, you know? Mm -hmm. And so that night I uh, feel like I Googled the same thing I always have, like menopausal, hormonal, stubborn fat, help me. (laughs) And something new came across my screen, which was intermittent fasting. The idea of consciously, deliberately pausing from eating each day to put the body into a digestive rest, hormonal balancing, you know, deep cellular repair. And so I stayed up all night reading about it. And I'm like, wait, all I have to do is just not not eat and then eat. (laughs) And so... (laughs) I I thought it sounded really um, like it would take some effort and some focus and some habit changing, but not anything very complicated. And Mm -hmm. so the next morning I shared with her that I had, that maybe I'd found an answer and that was called intermittent fasting. And I explained it to her and she said, that makes perfect sense. (laughs) How may I support you? And, um, So I began eating in a pattern of time, and within three days, I felt like myself again. So I hadn't lost any weight, but Mm -hmm. I felt better. And I did, ultimately. I lost 51 pounds in 15 months, which in the scope of life is you know, a short amount of time, but that's a, that's a slow methodical weight loss. That's less than a pound a week, you know, in some weeks it was more and some weeks it was not. And one of the magical things about intermittent fasting is that our body can change shape, but the scale that oftentimes isn't reflected on the scale. So Mm -hmm. there was one point where I had a five month stall on the scale. Most people act, if the scale doesn't budge in one week, people are off. We're a little grumpy. Yes. So for five months for me to stay true to my fasting regimen and my fasting and eating schedule, my body got, I got two clothing sizes smaller. So the scale didn't change, but my body got two sizes smaller during those five months. Mm -hmm. So It's just been an incredible journey for myself personally and now to uplift and guide thousands of people in my coaching practice. It's, um, it's really been incredible. So it's been five years now that I've eaten in an eating window every day. That's wonderful. I, um, okay. So you said it took 15 months to put, take that weight off plus an extra pound, (laughs) (laughs) but how long did it take to put that weight on initially? It was fast. It was, um, I, I feel like, well, it felt fast. The first, you know, the, when we go into menopause, it's a little wobbly in terms of knowing when it actually starts. So you have to, you're in perimenopause and that's when a woman in her, typically in her mid forties starts experiencing changes. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, um, 
then we have to go for a year without a period. And then it's like when you realize that happened, it's like, oh, I guess I'm in menopause now. <laughs> it's real. And, <laughs> it's, and uh, so at that point, I remember gaining 15 or 20 pounds very quickly and wondering what what is my clothes you know when you gain 10 or 15 5 10 15 20 pounds you can feel it you notice yes and yeah. yes and i remember a doctor appointment where they weighed me and i gasped when i saw the number and they were like you're fine you're this isn't overweight i'm like no that i just gained a lot of weight really quickly <laughs> right but it I was will... for you that was the yeah mm -hmm. At the next appointment when they put me in the overweight category, which I feel like my whole life I've been mindful of weight. Like I remember times in college or even, you know, when I gained 20 pounds and need to focus on taking that off. So I felt like I struggled with weight, but I'd never been overweight or obese. Mm -hmm. um, but it was always on my mind. You know, people who look slender and like you think, oh, they don't have a problem with their weight they could be really struggling with it. So mm -hmm. we can't judge from the outside what a person's personal journey is with their body shape and, and weight and health. And so for me, it was a constant struggle. But that first time when they declared me in the overweight category, I, you know, so you asked how quick that was. It, it felt like it was very sudden. Mm -hmm. But then I was, just, I, there was never a point when I wasn't gaining for five years. Wow. It was just like the scale was always going up. I was always having to find sales, you know, and, and reduce priced clothing because I'm like, I can't invest in something new and gorgeous when one, I want to lose weight and fit back into my clothes that I love. Mm -hmm. And two, I, at the rate this is going, it, I seem to be in the upward trajectory. So, you know, but I, <laughs> not going to stay was, in that then. Yeah. Yeah. It was, um, it was mental, physical, emotional, spiritual, very challenging time. Mm -hmm. So I know by now most people, especially now, know what um, intermittent fasting is or IF, and you explained it's that window of time. So how has this like lifestyle change been for you? Um, maybe explain how it's not just a diet that's shown to be effective, but it's a sustainable and healthy way to go on with your life and maintain health. Yes. So intermittent fasting is a pattern. It's a timing. It's not a diet, as you said, and people mush them together. And because we've been, we are accustomed to with diet culture, diet brain, diet mindset, mm -hmm. think that um, anything to do with food is called a diet, but you may eat whatever food tastes good to you, is delicious to you is nutritious for you that your body responds well with the food choice is up to each individual as is the eating window mm -hmm. so um it, the lifestyle aspect has been that i've realized for myself that my fasting hours are as nourishing and amazing and wonderful as the eating hours and the eating hours are for pleasure and nourishment but the fasting hours I, I call my healing hours are the time of repair and mm -hmm. quiet and good focus and even energy and I love both both times equally and because of that it's really a mindfulness practice for me my fasting hours are sacred 
And I always say to people, it's not a diet, it's a quiet. And I like that. Any, yeah. Thank you. If there's any struggle, stress, or strain, or pain, or competition, or agony, or comparison, you're not doing it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so this um, is something that is the most natural, just like sleep. We wouldn't think of going without it. The same thing with having a fasting practice or consciously pausing from eating is exactly how human bodies are designed. And it's how we've survived as a species. I heard recently someone say, human beings have survived being cold and hungry. (laughs) Our bodies (laughs) actually ramp up our ability to heal and repair when we're in those adverse conditions and so because we live in a time when we really can eat whenever we please we aren't like our ancestors deprived of we have food right (laughs) and yeah so one of the things about intermittent fasting and having it be a lifestyle is that we get to choose how long we're going to fast and if today it's shorter great and if tomorrow it's longer great but each person discovers for themselves their fasting groove, their fasting sweet spot, the time of day. And it doesn't have to be at night. People are like, I love my creamy coffee. I love breakfast. Great. Eat in the morning. (laughs) And, you know, some people have a two hour eating window and some people have a 10 hour eating window. It's Mm -hmm. all, it all depends on your um, current health and what, if there are health markers you need to turn around or weight you'd like to take off and, what your personal schedule is and we discover that it's individual and personal and yeah it's definitely a sacred ritual that's perfect i um i want to dive more into that too and i have some questions but what is like a good starting for people kind of listening and especially we grew up in the u.s where you're I know I was hounded, like, if you're not eating breakfast, you're not healthy. If you're not eating this, you're not, you know, you're not healthy. And you need to be eating basically from the time you wake up to right before bed. Uh, So Mm. what is a, now I've switched that, I promise. But what is a good maybe window of a starting point for people? And I know you said it can be shifted depending on when they wake up and when they um, are at their highest, like, activity level. But when's a good, like, hour window? Like 10 hours, 8 hours? What's a good starting Mm. point? Okay, I'll, I would love to share how to start, and I want to also address what you said about breakfast being the most important yeah, meal. Which I don't do. That, so. <laughs> that is the most successful marketing campaign of all mm-hmm. time. Yes. A yep. company 100 years ago. I think it's so successful because even after 100 years of that ad campaign, people believe it's true, doctors believe it's true, and people just spout it out mm-hmm. like it's. You know, and that is medical mythology. Breakfast is not the most important meal of the day. Thank you, Kellogg's brand. I know when I was growing up, breakfast actually made me feel really unwell. Me too. My my body could not digest any sort of food in the morning. And so I naturally pushed shunned. I was just like, I can't, don't make me, you know. And the times in my life, when I have actually gained weight are when I put stuff in my coffee and when I ate breakfast. Mm -hmm. And I Mm -hmm. also noticed, people thought I was crazy, that when I ate breakfast, I was much hungrier for lunch. Yes, thank you. I'm so excited you're touching on this. So eating makes us hungrier. You know, there's this myth, again, medical mythology, that we we have to keep our metabolism up by eating all the time. 
Well, yeah, but we can't. <laughs> we still can't, we're eating more than that metabolism is revved up. It's it makes no sense to eat all mm-hmm. the time, especially now. Physiologically, we can see that our human health is improved when we are pausing from eating. Okay, so how to start? Well, people, most of us feel if we've been indoctrinated in diet culture that we need to kind of get all our ducks in a row and get get our head around it and uh, eat everything in the fridge or throw away all the food. We have to prepare to start a diet. Mm -hmm. But this is not that. So all everybody has to do, all you have to do is think about today and decide today what time you're going to stop eating. It's like, oh, okay, I think I have dinner planned for whatever time, and I think maybe I'll close my eating window at whatever. Pick it. What time would it be for you, Shauna, today? When? Um, it's probably going to be about 7.30 or 8 at the latest because I, okay, I have dinner with my guy tonight. So, yes. Great. Mm-hmm. So let's say 8. Why make it hard on yourself? Okay, so we'll say 8. And then, you know, I said a minute ago that I'm not the food police. I never have been. But what I am is the clean fasting police. And so I'll explain why that's so important. Um, But you'll close your eating window at 8. Someone else might be like, oh, I'll close it at 4. Someone else might be Mm -hmm. a shift worker and close it at 1 a.m. after their lunch break, whatever. Um, So whatever time you choose, drink plain water, get a good night's sleep, wake up, drink plain unflavored water, nothing in it. And if you like coffee or tea, you want to have it be plain black unflavored coffee or plain black or green bitter tea. And then 12 hours later, open your eating window. Mm -hmm. So you stopped at 8 p.m. At 8 a.m., eating window open. Now, for some people, that's easy. They're like, oh, that's not that long. Other people who are accustomed to eating and eating and drinking flavored drinks right up until they go to bed and doing the same the minute they wake up eating or drinking candy coffee, as I call it, um, <laughs> it might be a stretch to get to that 12 hours. Mm-hmm. So that might take a little determination. But 12-12, you take the 24-hour day and divide it into the fasting hours and the eating window. So 12-12 schedule, 12 hours of fasting clean, and a 12-hour eating window has been proven to extend lifespan. So we, the, we increase our ability to live longer if we're just mindful of that 12 hours. Mm -hmm. And then from there, some people really do want to just rip off the Band-Aid and they're like, oh, I could fast till noon and have my eating window from noon to eight or 10 to six. So for me and my coaching and guiding people, I encourage people to get to a 16-hour fast and an eight-hour eating window within a week or two. Mm And then from there, every time you give yourself a nice stretch goal, then kind of settle in and see how you feel. And then from there, some people are like, no, 10-hour window is a lot better for me. Or other people are like, that I can eat the same amount in six hours that I could eat in eight hours, so I'll fast. You know. So from there, we figure out what feels good to you. Mm-hmm. I always say this is not about being good. In diet culture, we're told, oh, I have to try to be good, and if I have to, you know, follow this food regimen. And if I don't, these foods are bad. And if I eat them, I'm bad. And this isn't about that at all. This Mm -hmm. is about feeling good. And then 
noticing when that old diet mindset creeps in, which is all about being good. Right. No. But I absolutely love what you said about the window looking differently because I know we chatted right before recording um, that, and you didn't know this before we started talking, but that I automatically do that. And I was the same as you. I never felt, I felt uncomfortable eating breakfast even when I was younger. It didn't sit well. I didn't feel like I performed well. I was starving an hour later. So <laughs> over the past, I don't know, six to nine months, I've been really listening to my body differently. And I used to do a little bit of uh, bikini bodybuilding and powerlifting, and I wrecked my metabolism to the point where my weight was going up. Um, not exponentially, but I noticed it. And I was in an uncomfortable place with my body where I couldn't lose the weight, even if I was lifting, lifting longer, lifting differently, hit cardio, it didn't matter, switching what I was eating, eating perfectly, none of it stuck. Um, and only in the last, like I said, like six-ish months or so, I listened to my body about intermittent fasting um, and not really going by a structured plan, but I just felt like I got so much done in the morning and at about 11.30 or 12, I was real hungry and I was ready. Um, so my window just automatically by listening to what feels good is probably that 12 to 8-ish. Um, of course, there's days where I'm like, no, nah, I'm going to have this cereal snack later. So I still do that once in a while. But I, I um, have just found that that's been so good. And when I don't eat until then, I crave something nutritious. So I tend to have the same food for that meal every single day. And in doing that, I've also found that I eat what feels good for me the rest of the day. It's easier for me to put better food in. I don't want junk as much, of course. Uh, I want that nutritious food and it keeps me on track for the rest of the day as long as that meal had been you know, listened to. So I completely believe in it too and I've seen such a difference. That uh, and walking, but yes, I, I love, love it. I love that. And, mm -hmm. and so what you described is what we call having our food be window worthy. So it's your eating window. And you know, a lot of the naysayers out there, people like journalists who will try intermittent fasting for two weeks, it's like, oh, you didn't even get through the adaptation phase. You didn't right. give it enough time. But they'll say, or even doctors will say, one of their concerns about intermittent fasting is, is that people eat too much too quickly and tend to gorge themselves when their eating window opens. And it's like, wait, that might happen for some people, but it doesn't last long. It's no. like a few days, maybe a week. At some point, everybody I've ever coached says, you know, I think that I don't need to eat so much so quickly when my eating window opens. Mm -hmm. And it's a personal experience. You can read it in a book. You can have someone tell you. But when you experience it yourself, and you and pe it's something people are proud of, they're like, you know, in the beginning when I when I got to open my eating window, I ate too much too quickly and I ate all the wrong things. I didn't feel well. And then that personal discovery of slowing down, eating mindfully, choosing foods that are window worthy, choosing mm -hmm. foods that make you feel really well. It is a personal experience. And that's one of the reasons that most intermittent fasters are so excited about it and want everybody to try is because we feel so well and it is sustainable. It isn't a short term fix. It isn't a diet. It's really, you know, I, I, I know the word lifestyle is so cliche or overused, but anything that you can do over time that has you feel well, 
that's a that's a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> and I would say I even feel okay, I love food, who doesn't? But I really enjoy yes. good quality food. And what I found is especially that first meal because I'm I'm very much ready for it when it comes is I get a lot of joy from it. And I get joy from it because I take that first bite. I'm like, mm, this is wonderful. But it's also, I'm picking really, like you said, window worthy foods. And it just sets me up for the rest of the day where I feel clear and um, very intentional with the rest of my moves, whether it's my activity level and my work. And it's been huge for me. So. Oh, that's so inspiring. You're hitting on um, just consistent aspects that people experience when they choose to eat in an eating window, which is that food tastes so much better. And (laughs) the opposite can happen, which is uh, foods that we used to like don't taste so good anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, so those tend to be the the ultra-processed foods that are full of chemicals and so forth that that our bodies are like, yeah, now that we've had this quiet healing time of fasting, we, re- we, <laughs> I just conversation with my body, we really don't want to be <laughs> Love that. icky stuff anymore because it doesn't taste good. <laughs> yes. I, now, don't get me wrong. When somebody good. comes into town and I'm like, oh, I got to bring them to this donut shop and of course I'm going to indulge. I believe in that too once in a while Mm -hmm. but what I find is if I start with something like that in the morning and start before my normal like window I just am not I don't feel as well and I start craving that sugar even more where if I start with something wonderful for me I'm I'm good without it so and you know again getting back to my idea of being good versus feeling good Mm -hmm. people who are immersed in diet culture would think oh shama you're not eating that because you're trying to be good it's like no i'm actually super tuned in to feeling good and it just gets easier and easier to make choices based on yeah, I, that's just not going to have me feel awesome. Right. And I'm going to wait. I'm going to eat <laughs> front load it with something nutritious so that my body can handle that hit of sugar. Yes, or yes. I'm just going to wait. And I feel pretty good about that. That's so interesting you said that. I follow somebody online who they were doing fasting, like fasting for days just for a health reason to test something. And they came back and said, you know, if you eat that, you know, sugary treat or whatever, after you have something, that's, you know, like eggs, bacon, something with good protein, it doesn't spike your sugar as as high. And I wasn't aware of that. And I've studied, you know, nutrition as well, but that was incredible to me. It is. People who wear a continuous glucose monitor, a CGM, can see that if they eat something sugary or even rice or potato, we all have a different glycemic index Mm -hmm. individually. So you can eat something and you can see the rise in blood sugar. But then if the next day you front load it with some protein and fat and then eat that exactly as you explained, the, the sugar rise oftentimes is not as high. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to bring it right back down, go for a long walk. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Going for a walk after eating is a magical, magical cure. Mm-hmm. That's actually what I did before we started talking. So you are like speaking to my heart today. I'm so excited. So what is like one of the biggest changes in people that you've like consistently uh, seen that you've worked with that you love seeing like a change in them? Well, there, I think that the thing 
in addition to weight loss, the thing that most people say to me they most want is good energy. Mm. People want good sleep, of course, but as we're going through the day, people want to feel well. And what they mean by feeling well is to have good energy, not be dragging around Mm -hmm. and not have these plummeting energy levels halfway through the afternoon. And so it is astonishing how practicing a clean fast and not taking in any flavors or nutrients during the fasting hours has people have this bright, clear, clean, even energy. And like, I would never eat before something important. I mean, we were raised, okay, I want to take children off the table because children should eat when they're hungry. But we've been taught, I should say, we've been taught that we should eat before something important. (laughs) And for me and everybody I know who's an intermittent faster, we choose to stay in a fasted state before something important so that we can be bright and clear and sharp and focused and productive. Mm -hmm. And then we'll be eating later. And each person can tune in for themselves. I'm not saying that's the right answer all the time. I coach people to pause and breathe for a second, maybe even close your eyes so you can focus and kind of scan through your body and get a sense of how you're feeling. Because as Jen Stevens, uh, my friend and mentor who wrote Delay, Don't Deny, and um, Fast, Feast, Repeat, she she says, um, hunger is not an emergency. Mm-hmm. They're hunger feelings. It's an alert system. So if you can scan your body and tune into, okay, my tummy's growling or it feels a little empty, or, but am I actually hungry? And then given what I have to do and accomplish for the next few hours, will I feel better in a fasted state or a fed state? Mm -hmm. And your body will tell you. (laughs) And then if it's like, well, I think I'll feel better if I keep fasting and eat later, then you want to know when you'll be eating later. So look at the clock and it's so important to really calm the nervous system and assure your body when you'll be eating and what yummy foods you'll be eating later Mm -hmm. because that has us just it's an assurance that food is coming we are far from starving you know I've got 25 (laughs) percent of my body is body fat I'm at my ideal weight I'm 59 years old and that means a quarter of my whole self is fat I'm not going to be running out running out of it anytime soon definitely not today or tomorrow (laughs) and earlier you were touching on how just how we've been almost like conditioned from a young age and like you said kids need to eat when they need to eat but as adults like anytime that you feel not full we feel the need to eat again not even empty but just oh I could fit some more food in there I must be hungry rather than really listening to the nutrients that your body needs but I know you you almost, you like kind of touched on that, but it's just so interesting how we're it almost like conditioned to do that. There's more room, cur- stuff in more food. Yes. And I'm curious, everybody out there, if they think for themselves, when was the last time someone offered you some food and you said, oh, no, thank you. I'm not hungry. We don't even consider that. Mm-hmm. If there is food there and someone offers it to us, we eat it or drink it. Yeah. And And to say, oh, I would love to have that, but I'm actually not hungry right now. 
is very rare. Yeah, I think you'd get an, an expression in your direction for the most part. You said right. that even. <laughs> Just because it would be so not the norm. That's right. Mm -hmm. So I would love for people, I have this dream that people actually ask each other, like, when's your eating window today? When are you eating today? <laughs> that we just know that when we're eating, when we plan on eating today, oh, I think I'm going to be fasting longer today and I'm going to have dinner or I'm going to be having lunch and dinner. I'm going to have breakfast and lunch. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so what is like the root cause of most people's challenge with their weight loss and health? Oh, the root cause of most people's challenge. Well, eating all the time mm -hmm. for sure and eating ultra processed foods. So I said, I'm not the food police, but come on people. We've <laughs> got to know that when we put a steak and a potato and some veggies and a glass of water with lemon in it, you know, and we enjoy a meal of real whole food that our body actually recognizes that as food and knows what to do with it and provides nourishment and satiety and then when we eat crackers and commercial salad dressing and energy bars and, you know, all the things that people consider, you know, air quotes, normal, mm -hmm. um, our body isn't fueled well and, and our liver is taxed and our gut is wrecked. Mm -hmm. So very, I know that's an oversimplification. So I think that when we start with fasting, see a lot of coaches and a lot of people are advised Get your food in order, whatever that means. Figure out your food. Figure out which foods nourish you well, and then do the fasting. I am 100%, 180 degrees opposite from that. <laughs> I have seen for myself and countless others that when, the, when you learn to eat in an eating window, whether it's a two-hour window or an eight-hour eating window, the appetite center in our brain, our apostat and our hunger and satiety hormones start sorting themselves out. And then our body steers us very well towards the food that makes it feel well and towards the quantity of food it needs today. Mm -hmm. So that's another reason calorie charts are ridiculous is because the body needs a different amount of food every day. And if you're fasting clean and then eating in an eating window, it's so relieved and happy for the fasting hours. And then it's like, oh, good. Okay, now I can communicate to you how much to eat today and paying close attention to satiety, which, again, that's another thing that we don't do well. We don't know what it feels like to feel completely satisfied mm -hmm. with what we've just eaten, which doesn't really have much to do with fullness mm -hmm. it's there's a, a term in Okinawa Japan called hari hachibu which is eating to 80% full well what's 80% full I don't know right. <laughs> it's like if we know what stuffed feels like ugh, and then we know what maybe 100% full feels like like then bring it dial it back just a little bit like almost we don't have to eat to fullness mm -hmm. every meal and then with ultra processed food people are really left feeling unsatisfied and very hungry an hour later and are constantly eating so yeah eating less often choosing real whole food 
and slowing down <laughs> and paying a close attention to satiety. So something else you said was that uh, a little bit earlier was people, you know, feel better with certain foods and it's different for every person, which I completely believe because everyone's allergic to something or maybe they're, you know, gluten intolerant or it just doesn't sit well within their system. And I really love that because that was something else that it's like, I, I'm all about carbs, fats, and protein. Like I need it all. I'm not eliminating everything, but I have shifted just slightly of what makes me feel great the whole day. Um, Mm. and, and I just loved what you said earlier about that. And it's, it's might look completely different for me. I maybe need a little less carbs because my body holds on to that, but I, I'm still eating my carbs. Um, anyway, I just really liked how you touched on that, that it, it looks different for everybody. And I like how you talk about how customized it really it, it is. It really is. I haven't eaten meat in over 20 years, wow. but I have clients who are carnivore. Mm-hmm. So, which when someone says, that they are discovering that they feel so much better Mm -hmm. with a certain assortment of foods than another assortment of foods. And those two things could be very, you could take two people and and they could be eating completely differently. But if they are both saying, I have really good energy, I feel so well, I feel satisfied, I'm not ravenous an hour later, it's, believe them (laughs) you know so some people are like I can't eat a potato other people are like I would I would die if I didn't have potatoes in my (laughs) fridge you know so do you think another problem then is maybe part of a problem is that we don't even know what it feels like to feel good after a meal like I know for me I would eat because it was supposedly good for me and I always felt bloated or sick and I just thought well this is how you feel and now it's shifted where I know what foods even if they're, quote, healthy, they don't feel good in my body. And I don't even know if a lot of people know that difference because we're just so used to feeling yuck after. You're exactly right. And so fasting, having a daily fasting practice helps clarify that. So what you said is so right on, spot on. Um, When I start coaching people, I have my clients start to put food into four categories. One would be trigger foods, foods Mm -hmm. that set you off. Once you start eating them, you can't stop foods that, and we're all in a different continuum in terms of binging or overeating or what foods trigger us. Mm -hmm. Um, But so I want everybody to think about what foods trigger you. Um, Then the next category is foods that make you feel unwell. And most people have no idea. Like you just said, bloated, puffy, sluggish, Mm -hmm. achy, um, ravenous an hour later, moody. um, Just the list is long, but we aren't tuned in to the foods that make us feel that way when we are eating all the time. Mm -hmm. So foods that make you feel poorly, doubled over, um, having your belly puff out, distended belly suddenly. There. There are a lot of things that can happen as a result of your body reacting to foods that it would prefer that you not have. (laughs) The next column is foods that people, that we eat when we're rushed, when we're exhausted and rushed, when we cannot put together a decent meal, when we're on the go, when we're eating in the car, when we're eating in front of the computer and we just can't, or we're suddenly hungry at work and there's nothing there to eat. Um, So what those go grab and go, I'm exhausted and rushed foods are. And then the third column is 
the foods that you love that love you back. Mm -hmm. So that is the list that I, I want people to be eliminating from the first three columns and adding to that fourth column, which is what are the foods that you love, that you're excited to eat, that taste so delicious to you, and that love you back, that you have a sense of satiety. And it's like you, you're eating, 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 and you put the fork down and you lean back in your seat and you're like, ah, it's like a sigh. That's satiety. That's your body's signal that we're done. We got what we needed. You could stop eating now. So having the food love you back is everything. That's perfect. You actually answered one of the other questions I want to I wanted to ask you, but it and that was more like some tangible ways for people to start today and those list makings just over time. I love that. But is there another place that they could kind of make a shift? I know you said coffee earlier and just closing a window, which I love all of those. Um, but is there any mm -hmm. other little tidbits to share? Tidbits in terms of how to just, start intermittent fasting and have it go well for you? Yes, yes, correct, yep. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, so I, um, one of my friends and fellow intermittent fasting coach, uh, her name is Beth, she does it a little differently than I do. I say aim for that 12 hours mm -hmm. and then increase to 16, you know, so I'm mindful of the time. I, I, I think it's helpful to have a time goal. And if you don't make it, who cares? <laughs> it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. um, she likes to say, just go as long as you can. And the next day, go a little longer. And the next day, go a little longer. So, um, but we both uh, really believe in the clean fast. So that is, while you're fasting, the most important thing that you can do is to fast clean because we want to keep insulin low. We want to tap into our body fat. And we want to upregulate this amazing phenomenon called autophagy, which is a deep cellular repair. So if we're taking in any food flavors or sweetness or nutrients, it's not about calories. It's about nutrients and sweetness and food flavors and even digestive teas that get our digestion going. It's like, no, no, no. Oh, this is a time for complete rest. So fasting clean is super important. But how people start and progress is really individual. But I always say, start with today. What time are you closing your eating window today? And now you started. That's as easy as it is. And then fast clean and then eat, eat delicious food that you love later in your eating window. And That's for some people. Yeah, that's perfect and so doable. And like you said, I know the lifestyle thing is definitely, you know, overused right now, but um, mm -hmm. it's absolutely true because as soon as I started and it wasn't even on a plan, I have felt so much better. And it does shift once in a while if somebody's in town or like I said earlier, but it's been so helpful for me to just feel better about what I'm putting in my body and it makes me more intentional with my activity, like you said too, so. Yes. Mm -hmm. I heard this quote the other day when I was listening to a different podcast that said, momentum is preceded by clarity, which I think is such a huge reason people don't just start is because it's not clear how to start. Uh, and so with what you said, there's so much clarity and steps to take. So of course you're an invaluable resource for IF, but what are some other resources or inspiration pages you might suggest to somebody um, to kind of get going and get excited? Well, I do love Jen Stevens' book, Fast, Feast, Repeat. Mm -hmm. uh, I also have a workbook, 
It's called Celebrating Your Vibrant Future, Intermittent Fasting for Women 44 to Forever. And it's uh, I, I encourage people to get the actual workbook as opposed to on Kindle because you want to get out your favorite pen and sit and reflect and answer the prompts and write in it. And it also has 90 days of logging. Um, there are just so many great podcasts, but a little forewarning. You will hear and read and watch and see and listen to any, any, you know, people will say you can have whatever you want while you're in your fasting hours. Mm -hmm. And I would really warn against that one because fasting clean actually makes fasting easier. Think of it this way. If you take in, you know, some people like bone broth or pickle juice of all things, or a little lemon in your water, apple cider vinegar, all the things that people say are, are cream in your coffee or things that people say are allowed. Though that little bit of flavor sends a communication to your brain that food is coming. Mm -hmm. And when the body thinks food is coming, it aligns to receive food. It gets ready. And then when you don't feed it, it's like, where's the food? You just gave us tastes of food. Now we're ready and you didn't feed us because you think you're fasting. So make it easy on yourself. Keep it supremely plain and unflavored and then wait later to eat in your eating window. That's wonderful. You're absolutely right. And I know you offer so much coaching online and like you said, those workbooks, but will you kind of tell everybody anything else that you have to offer or how everyone can find you and follow you today? Oh, I would love to. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So if you go to my website, it's Fast Forward Wellness. The name of my business is Fast Forward. Um, you can download a free guide on how to start. It has some checklists and an overview of how fasting works and some of the things people can expect benefit in terms of like reversing type 2 diabetes or a lot of people... Uh, experience their um, blood pressure normalizing and so many health benefits um, warding off Alzheimer's and it's it's amazing so you can download that free guide and then if you read through my website and you've listened to this and you think that I could be helpful to you I would love to offer a free consultation call you can just write me on my website and I'll respond and we can set up a, a chat where I can hear what it is that you're dealing with and offer my guidance so I'd love to offer that. I love that. And then I will also attach that link um, in the notes too, so people can find you. That is perfect. Um, Thank you. Yes. Lori, you are just so wonderful. It's like made me smile the whole time. I know we're just on audio, which is fine because I look like a mess, but I have been smiling <laughs> the entire time. So. <laughs> oh, me too. Thank you. Yes. It's such a joy talking to you. Is there anything else that you want to leave today for people listening? I... Mm. I want people to know that they're okay and their body is working so hard for you. It's, it really is your friend. I hear people say, my body hates me. It's like, Oh, <laughs> loves you so much. Like all will be well. It is possible. It is a hundred percent possible to shed the noise, the constant noise in our heads and gain a sense of, peacefulness and quiet and I think that pausing from eating is the access to that mm, I love that thank you so much Laura you are just so full of knowledge and I just have loved our conversation thank you thank you <laughs> 
Before you click on the next episode, I want to let you know how you can now help support The Shine Podcast. To keep these episodes coming and getting new interviews and growing, you now can use the app Buy Me a Coffee to go directly to support this podcast. Simply head over to the show notes or you can head to www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash shine shana star. And that is S-H-A-N-N-A. So again, buymeacoffee.com forward slash shine shana star. Thank you so much.